I am unashamed. What about you? So we were going to use, uh, going to have Zach on again, uh, the podcast today, but he kept dropping out so much uh, on his internet connection. I don't know if it's him or is it us or whatever it is. This is like like you said last time. It's a it's hard when you have to depend on technology for anything. And, and it, the the biggest problem is, I mean, like Cole's our our guy. He knows how to fix most anything and make it work. But I'm so bad at. It. I mean, I always tell people when they ask me about the about technology, I say, well, I'm I'm one step removed from dad. And you know how bad that is. So in terms of, I mean, I'm one step better than dad is, but that's not saying much. So if somebody's not there, I just don't, you know, something, if it doesn't just work like it's supposed to work, then I'm just, I walk away. I'm like, well, I guess that's all of that. You I know? keep to the more simple things in life. You do. And, and as you said, you have to have people around you because to be connected into the world today for what we do, because we write books, you know, we, you know, we, we do media, we, we do all these things to promote because you have to, to let people know you got a podcast, you got a show, but you have to have somebody that can rig it all up. Right. I mean, without that, cause if it was up to just me and you, we'd be pretty, we'd be thin. Well, if you didn't have Dan, I mean, just think about all he does for all of your media hits and all that stuff. It's, it's the other day they said, well, uh, you need to fall back an hour on your clocks. You fall back an hour because of the Uh, edict. (laughs) So I go in there and I look at my clocks. They have batteries in them and there's a little, little knob on the back. I just took them and I went, I turned it back an hour, replaced the battery because I don't do that, but you know, twice a year. So I put another battery in, hung it back up on the wall. That I get. It says right now, 930. I'm going to turn it back to 830. Got a new battery. Hang it back on the wall. You can handle that. That I can do with no problem. But I told Dan, I said, well, go out there and, and, uh, and dial back my clocks in the truck. Well, it was about a, several minutes of button punching at the right sequence. And he's doing this. He's clicking. And I'm looking at it. And directly, I see it, it. It falls back, but it took him a little while. Yeah. And you know, a little turning knob, pushing buttons. I mean, it was a code that if you didn't have it written down somewhere, <laughs> there's no way. If you didn't have a booklet, what you was would the, know. What was the time when you you were trying to you were trying to make your truck where the lights wouldn't stay on or something? I wanted to have the capability of something pretty simple, just to turn the lights out on my pickup turn them off yeah i'm 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 riding out over there dusky in the evening so i'm just going to ease out with no lights on right so i'm just you don't want to disturb the creatures so i'm looking right? around i turn i'm looking for off on the dashboard where it says lights so i turn it in every direction the lights stayed on so i told the guy with me i said what's with this how do you turn the lights off? I don't want the lights going out. And he said, well, there's a code. And I said, there's a code to get the lights turned off. I said, well, you know what it is? He said, no. I said, well, how am I going to turn the lights off? So he says, well, I'd like to find out what the code is. I said, well, is it written down in the pamphlet in the glove compartment? It's a book this thick about the operation of this particular vehicle. But no code. But no code, no code. He said, no, it's not in there. I said, well, where is the code? He said, some of them guys uptown that drive this particular vehicle will probably know what the code is. Well, three days goes by, still can't turn my lights off. And he calls me up and he says, are you in your truck? I said, yeah. He said, shut it down and I'm going to give you the code to get your lights off. He, I shut it down. I stop in the middle of the dirt road over there, <laughs> put it in park. He said, turn the switch off. I turn the switch off. I'm going through the code. He said, take your left foot and push your emergency brake down one click. I said, do what? He said, take your left foot and push your emergency brake down one click. And when I did it, it went click, click. There's two of them. He said, no, start over again. So I released the emergency brake. One click only. One click. I pushed my left foot on the emergency brake one click. He said, now crank your truck up. And I cranked it up. No lights. I said, I know this is a crazy question. 
but this is a this is a Japanese made in Japan rig. I said, who who devised a code whereby you had to stop the vehicle, push your emergency brake down one, one click, click, and then turn your engine back on, and you wouldn't who who come up with that? I said, they were from Japan. Whoever it was, I said, I'm not getting it. Whatever happened to on and off? That's right. One button on, yeah. you got lights off, you turn them off. Right. I'm just saying, Al. It's changed. And now, you know, you've got all these varying degrees because you and I drive the same. We drive a Ford. And so most people leave it on auto, you know, that way it, they come on by themselves. You know, as soon as it gets dark enough, there's some sensor in there and it, your lights come on. But it's, I mean, you're right. It, it gets more and more complicated. Of course, now they try to make, they make things where they go off completely, which I kind of like because the old days you'd come out and you left a door ajar and it drain your battery, you know, because you, you know. But now they just—it's an automatic shutoff. If if you left something on within about—I don't know how long it is—but it, it, they just go out on their own. So, but <laughs> computers are basically. But the problem now is you got a computer running your vehicle. There's a computer running your truck and my truck. All these different things. I'm at the the, the ground level part, and and I'm questioning the the worth. Of computers, somebody says, "Oh, it's a way greater society." Well, I'm looking around at our culture, yeah. and I'm thinking, I'm not sure that it was the greatest way to go. Well, the problem is now it's created the need that you have to have IT people to to fix it. You can't do anything about a computer. I can't do anything about a computer. Same thing with your phone. So, so here's the little trick they do with that. So, you see, this is a phone. So, this is a. I think mine is an eight or. Whatever. I mean, every year there was a one, then there was a two. So that's an eight. Now they just a, keep upgrading it and selling you a new so one. So what they do is then they send you, they, they want to download the upgrade on your on my eight to be able to handle stuff like an 11 does. Well, it scrambles your phone. It's happened two or three times. And I, I get there's probably a way, somebody will probably send me an email, to not let it do that. Because what happens is this phone is fine, but you know how much this costs? This right here? I'd be afraid to ask. $1,000. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm not. And I'm I don't not. know what, Cole, do you know what the 11s are now? The most of this probably it's more than a thousand because I paid a thousand for this three years ago. Every year they come out with a new one, they send data to make this worthless. I don't have one. So what am I, what am I missing? Well, you're missing, you know, text, emails, internet. Um, so I Twitter. seem to be functioning fairly well without that. <laughs> well, as long as you have me around, or Dan, or Cole, you know, you can do that. You you have the luxury of having a team of people that are connected to the outside world. If without that, you would just you'd be down here doing your thing, but you wouldn't be out there doing that thing. <laughs> so that's the deal. But look, I get disgusted with it too because I just want the phone to work. But I don't want to have Plus, to. Plus, I don't mind if you're going. <laughs> if you're up to all that, that's I don't right. mind if you're doing it. Well, right. right. I'm just saying I've chosen not to do that's that. That's right. And you'll say, you'll, you'll be in the up line. You'll say, hey, somebody get on the black box and uh, tell see me. See where that front see is. See where that front is. So that's information, see, that you find Weather useful. information. Exactly. Because you can't watch the Weather Channel when you're in the dub line, right? Unless you have the black box, which, of course, we do. Um, so somebody, you see the shirt, Deb? Yeah, hold your nose and watch this. Yeah, it says uh, John eleven thirty nine. So <clears throat> a few weeks back when we were in John 11, I preached that. And so there was that scene where Jesus is about to raise Lazarus. You know, he walks out there and he says, all right. And he had just had this moment with Martha. You know, he says, you know, she says, I believe anything can happen. You're the son of God. You know, she has this great affirmation. At the resurrection, I'll see him again. That's right. And so then they walk out there, and she just made this, had this great faith moment. And then he says, all right, roll that stone off of there. You're fixing to see something, you know. And so before they do it, Martha steps in and says, oh, oh Lord, you don't, you don't want to do that. I mean, he's been in there four days. He's going to be ripe. You know, I mean, you're in the Middle East. So it was funny because she had just said he could do anything, but then in the moment of it, you know, she was like, "This is gonna, this ain't gonna be good," which I found was interesting. And so, you know, I said he doesn't say this, but I said in the sermon, I said he looked at her and then said, "Hey, girl, hold your nose and watch this," 
you know, because he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. So I said that in the sermon, then I mentioned it on the podcast. So there was a, there's a clothing company and I can't remember their name, sadly. I'll, I'll let you know when I find it. It's in Russellville, Arkansas. And so they sent me a picture. Uh, they had this saying on a hoodie and a T-shirt, and uh, which I, I was like fired up because you got a lot of sayings from Duck Dynasty that made it onto T-shirts. Happy, happy, happy. I mean, they made a gazillion dollars off of your sayings, you know, and, and it was good. And so I was like, I've never had a saying on a shirt. So to this company, I know you guys listen to podcasts. I thank you for that. And I will mention to our audience uh, once I remember what it is so you can get you one if you want one. But so I was pretty fired up about it. And it was, it was, a, it's a cool saying, hold your nose and watch this. You know, we talked about the rednecks, hold my beer and watch this. Yep. Jesus was like, hold your nose and watch it. Even though he didn't really say that. But um, anyway, I want to let people know about that when you saw it from the last uh, one. So Jace is still sick. So he's not able to be with us today. So today it's just me and you, Dan. Hey. Just, you know, it's just like the old days. You know, we first started the podcast. The audience doesn't realize this, but we were, uh, Jace wasn't in the picture early. And so we actually recorded some podcasts um, with Dan, with me, you, and Dan. And it was really interesting because Dan, you know, he's kind of a man of few words. He doesn't, he's, he won't talk your ear off for sure. And, uh, but he would always like, I loved him when we were doing a podcast with him because he was kind of like, I imagine the audience would be listening and he would ask the questions that people would ask. I felt like, but you know, you and I pretty much carried the, the biblical water on the podcast, even though Dan's super smart about a lot of things about the Bible, but he just, like I said, he's not quite as, if he's he, pretty smart. He's chosen to forego marriage. Yeah. I know. He's it. like, <clears throat> I thought, well. One thing's in your favor; it's cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the verse you always? It'll be cheaper if you go along. And then. what's the verse you always read about uh, that Paul said uh, about the yeah, many people troubles. who marry will face many troubles in this life? <laughs> That's right. And he said, "I want to spare you this." That's right. So, so he I'm, was just saying, giving you the pitfalls of marriage, wives, kids, and you know, you look at it logically. You say, you know. Yeah, he, he was right. He was right, and he was speaking at a time, especially under severe persecution for the. First I enjoyed marriage and the children and all that. Yeah. Yeah, there you are, Al. I'm I'm glad I was married and and we got the well, kids. I sure am glad, because but I, but I don't hold it against a man if he says I think I I won't go down. That well, road. you think about it, the the two most influential men in the history of the world, in my opinion, were Jesus and Paul. Yep. I mean, Paul wrote half the New Testament. He was you know, and he was the emissary to the both gentle. of them and both of them were single we're single and so it's funny because you and i are both elders at our church and you know the first thing when you're going to hire somebody and again it's practical like it's going to work with teens or kids or college age kids and first thing we say is are they married because we feel funny about putting a single guy in with a bunch of young women you know because it you know there's been problems in churches before but then i always come back to the idea that you know jesus and paul were single and so Really, I, you can't hold it against people that don't want to get married. Of course, no. in the South, what happens is the women, like Lisa and all, they put so much pressure on these single because they're like, "Oh, you got to get married." I mean, have you thought about this one? Have you met this one? Have you, you know, they're always trying to hook you up. You know, all these, the, it's mostly the middle-aged women yeah. trying to hook up the young bucks. You know, with you know their daughter, mm-hmm. their granddaughter, whatever. But you're right. I mean, in fact, he, earlier he was he and I were moving a couch, and I said. <clears throat> this was the perfectly good couch, but Lisa's like, well, I don't, you know, I don't like this couch. I want to get another couch. And I'm like, well, this couch is fine. It came with the condo with the, nope, I got to get another couch. So I know I got to live with her just like you with Miss K. If she's not happy, then I'm not happy. So I'm like, all right, bye. get another couch, you know, just don't, you know, don't spend too much money on it. So we bring the couch and we offloaded it, Tony and Phyllis's. So I'm telling uh, Dan about it while we're moving it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know how women are. And Dan said, no, bro, I just, I really don't. <laughs> I don't, I don't really know about when I said, well, you're right. I said, well, let, let me just clue you in. You got a perfectly good couch here for sitting on that I'm not sitting on anyway, but you know, that wasn't good enough. We had to get another one. Yep. Color. That's what women do. Let's take a break. So, uh, one of our favorite, uh, sponsors been with us a long time, uh, is a group called my Patriot supply. And I have to say, these guys have been ahead of the curve, especially this last year, uh, because what they said is you never know what's going to happen. But one thing you do know is you need food when it's happening. 
We've had hurricanes this year. We've got pandemics. We've got empty shelves. These guys basically send you this right here, which is a four-week supply of their delicious, nutritious meals. See here, Gordon, that's what it looks like. Just add water. That's a uh, that's maple grove oatmeal. Mm, that'd be tasty. So uh, basically, what you do if you want to save a hundred bucks on this four week supply uh, bucket that can be your food for you in case you need an emergency, uh, you go to these guys' website, uh, preparewithphil.com. dot com. That's preparewithphil.com. and you better place your order now because they said there's so many people ordering that there's a slight delay in them shipping out. So the quicker you get in line, the quicker you get the food shipped to you. So check it out, preparewithphil.com. Yeah, so Dan, he may be the smartest of, of all of us, possibly. So we've been talking, Dad, about uh, a few other thoughts I wanted to talk about from John 15 and 16, um, really a amazing text, and there's a lot of rich stuff in there, and we, and we talked about it with Zach last time, and kind of brought in the idea of our own personal lives and, and Jesus' testimony in us. Um, it says right on the, the very first verse, and I'm sure you may have talked about that when you and... Um, Zach and Chase were doing a podcast, but he says, I am the true vine, which I thought was interesting because that implies that there will be other vines yeah. that aren't true. You know what I'm saying? That is correct. You know, so the old Oprah deal that, you know, you have your truth, I have my truth, and then all truths. Plus they, 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 they widen it. It's, it's hollow. It's called in the Bible, hollow, be careful, don't get tangled up in hollow and deceptive, deceptive. philosophy. Right. Because one of their favorite lines is, uh, we have our group here, and this is our truth, and their truth is they 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 have fixed it so that uh, we have a particular narrative that you must hold on to or you're not a part of the group anymore. Right. So they have a false narrative yep. that they insert. Right. And and unless you agree with every point of our narrative, yep. you will be thrust out of here. That's right. That's why he said, I'm the true vine. Don't get tangled up in yep. that kind of stuff. Well, exactly. And another thing. Because the result is wickedness and evil and perversion and That's I don't right. know what all. Well, you got these... Um, Get hooked up to the wrong vine. Some vines, Al, are poison oak and poison ivy. Yep. Some vines, if you rub your head against them, you will break out and it will peel the hide off <laughs> your face. Right. That's right. However, some vines have wonderful muscadines growing on That's them right. and grapes that we make jelly from. That's right. The trick is to know the difference in which vine you are <laughs> fooling with. That's right. You see what I'm saying? That's right. Yeah. Some you will have sweetness come out of it, and some <laughs> is agony. Well, and like you now, I've never had poison ivy or poison oak. Evidently, some people, for some reason, yeah, you're not are, are to immune it. to that. Yeah, me too. I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I've not never had. But a lot of vines out there are really. Uh, they can hurt you. Oh yeah, and as you described before, if and you're it, using the bathroom, if you if it's an outdoor toilet situation, if you get a hold to the wrong uh, yeah. wiping, stay apparatus. away from the vines because <laughs> you might not know the difference because the wrong vine there in that particular area can be cause you a lot of. I will characterize it as mischief in the lower 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 regions of your body. So you go with the the trees and the trees you select. Go with the oak, and you can't go wrong. Oak trees, overcup. That's that's uh, wording. The anal mischief is what he's called that. Before. Yeah, anal mischief. That's what. Uh, uh, what's his name? Attacks is right about you, Dad. You you have some sayings that are almost they're ancient, you know, in their hey. ability to describe. But that's pretty good. Um, but anyway, so he says, "I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener." And then later he talks about the Holy Spirit. Being the counselor, um, what were some of the other words? The advocate, it may be in yours. The comforter is, yep. is what the King James says. Yep. And we talked about it last time. The best word, actually, that's closest to the Greek word paraclete for the Holy Spirit is a helper, yep. which I really like that. So I found it pretty fascinating the sort of the role that you see here in this, because he, he's for the first time really, he's using a metaphor with the disciples, but he's going to talk straight. Here's what to expect, you know, in this section. And he's using this metaphor about the gardener, 
and the vine, and then this this helper that's going to come along, which is actually the fruit bearer, because that's where the fruit comes from is the, is the Holy Spirit. And then we're the branches that are that are grafted in. But I want to talk a little bit today, Dad, about the Godhead itself, because people people have a confused you know confusing time trying to figure out the difference between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, because we read about them quite a bit. If you go back to Genesis, what is it, Genesis one twenty eight, that says, let us make man in our image. So when they were creating the universe and then us, basically they pluralized, Moses pluralized the Godhead from the very beginning. There's, yep. It was an us and an our. So, but that's confusing to people because it's it's hard for them to like, when they talk about themselves, when Jesus would talk about his relationship with the Father, it doesn't seem like they're one. It seems like, you know, God's, the Father's over here and I'm down here. And is, did he, when he became a man, did he give up his divine being? You know, so there's a lot of questions about that. So I thought we should talk about that a little bit today because he makes it clear in this text. He says, look, the Father is in me and I'm in the Father. And he, he told them that quite a bit. What everyone needs to remember is is I like Colossians chapter 2. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Yep. At one time, it was only a glimpse because like the Hebrew writer said, in the past, God spoke to our fathers at many times in various ways, but... He makes the comment, uh, but in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory, father and spirit incorporated into the son, Jesus. The son is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. In other words, so you, everyone needs to remember when you talk about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit being one entity, in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and here's an incredible statement, and you, we, have been given fullness in Christ, who's the head over every power and authority. So in some way, he's the representative of all three, Father, Son, and Spirit. They are, he is one. It's a mind bender, which I think it a little too, a little too much of a mind bender in (laughs) that I don't think men could have dreamed this being up. Right. I I think you're exactly right. Let's take a break. So one of our favorite uh, sponsors, Dad, is uh, is a company called Omega XL. And I was just out of town, and so I I didn't take my Omega XL with me. And I was on the road about two weeks. And, man, I could tell the difference just in two weeks of not taking, you know, because I hadn't hadn't had that interruption in there. So I was, like, getting back home, like, where's my Omega XL? So, Gordo, you might be interested in this. It's a... it take it attacks inflammation. That's what it does, and it's a it's natural supplement. Uh, it comes from the where, Dad? The, the pristine waters of New Zealand. <laughs> I love the way Dad says it. The pristine <laughs> waters of New Zealand it comes out of mussels uh, that they grow there. Really good. Definitely works. Dad and I are both uh, believers in. Dad doesn't even take any medicine, but he will take Omega XL because it's helping him. So uh, if you want to try it out, you go to Omega XL dot com omega xl.com if you buy a bottle they can give you a second bottle free because you're unashamed listeners so that's really good omega xl.com slash fill or you can give them a call at 800-844-4888 that's 800-844-4888 and get rid of that inflammation and then so from that verse in genesis the way i try to explain it to people is that whenever he said he made us in his image, so what are we made up of? Basically three parts. You know, we have body, soul, and spirit. I mean, that's, we get that from the scriptures as well. Paul, yep. Paul used that phrase. 
and you need you have to have all three of those to be complete, right? I mean, your yep. spirit is your animating force. Your body is the functionary that gets you around. Your body's and, a temporary tent to begin with. It's yeah. just where you stay for a while. Exactly. And your soul is, is that part of your nature that reaches out to God. Plus, yeah. don't worry about those who can take your body out, who kill your body. That's right. Because your soul and spirit's the ones that count. That's exactly right. You know, That's worry right. about the one that can get those. Because the body ultimately is going in the ground. And when you stand at a casket and you look at a body, a, a dead person, a family member, whoever, I mean, their body looks like it always did, but they don't have a life force anymore. That's it's not right. there. Yeah. And and there's no soul there. They're just right. they're just flesh. And yep. that flesh goes in the ground and becomes it goes back to earth. Yep. Ultimately. Yep. And so you don't you know human history that 5,000 plus years of people died. From dust you came, the dust you'll return. So when people people worry about that, they're like, oh, you know, we get a lot of questions about cremation and different things like that. But the Apostle Paul referred to it as as a groaning. Yeah. We groan wishing to have our heavenly dwelling, our glorified body. Right. But in that interim, that physical death gets in the way. He said, meanwhile, we groan. Uh, and and uh, we are we are a little bit perturbed. We know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, he said, "Don't worry about the ones that can do that." Right. We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hand. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we're clothed, we won't be found naked. For while we're in this tent, you and I are in our tents right now, temporary bodies. Our soul and spirit are living here. We groan in a burden because we don't do not wish to be unclothed. We don't want to, our life force. We don't want to leave our body because we're used to our body. <laughs> it's always been this way since That's we were right. born. So, but to be, we want to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal, what you and I have at this point, mm-hmm. may be swallowed up by life. It's God who's made us for this very purpose, and and watch this, and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. That's why it's so critical to be born of water and the Spirit, a spiritual rebirth. Therefore, we're always confident as long as we live at, at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We're confident. And say, check this out, we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Well, when your body is in the cemetery, you say, well, they're gone. No, (laughs) they're soul and spirit. We would prefer to be with God because of one simple reason. We know we made it. Right. We know we made it. So that's why Jesus said, uh, don't let physical death scare you. You right. believe in me, you'll never die. Right. So you look at that, you know. So we make it our goal to please him. Watch this. Whether we're at home in the body, check this out, out, or away from it. By the way, this is Second Corinthians 5. Whether we're at home in the body or away from it, we make it our goal to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Judgment's in the end. That's why you're happy. Right. You say, okay. I'm groaning a little bit because I have to leave my body, and that, that's weird. Right. But just think about it like this. You're at home with the Lord. You know you made it, and you're like, whoo. Well, when he comes back, here comes the resurrection of the bones, and yep. the flesh is being knitted together in another body, the glorified one, which will last forever. No tears, no pain, mm-hmm. no crying. You're like, it's a pretty good deal, Alan. Oh, yeah. See, it's a very good deal. And, you know, Lazarus experienced it in John 11 for four days. He was yep. somewhere. That's and right. I so wish somebody would have asked him about that and wrote it in here. Me too. <laughs> because, yeah, did he just, were you asleep? Was it soul sleep like we talked about? Did you actually? All we get from Paul is <laughs> we groan a little bit about that. That's right. We don't like that interim in there. No. But, but all I can say is it could be worse. That's right. Oh, yeah, it's the only way we're getting back. The other option is you say, well, we die and we fall asleep. No time passes and you close your eyes, mm-hmm. whether it be for an hour or a hundred years. It's, you close your eyes, right. look out and look and you open them and you're like, whoa, 
Here we go. Glorified body, and here we go. I love it. Uh, you were reading Second Corinthians and First Corinthians fifteen fifty one. Paul mm-hmm. said, "Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, which we talked about that term yep. falling asleep, but we will all be changed. Yep. So if the ones that don't die when he comes back, they'll just be changed in a flash. In a flash, it says, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how fast is that? At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound." And I mean, I, I'm just so anticipating what that's going to sound like. If if a, if God blows a trumpet, this is beyond a a band trumpet. <laughs> yes, right. I mean, I've heard some, I've heard big trumpet. I've heard some really good trumpet players, but when the Almighty has a trumpet blast, it could be from an everyone's going to hear that one. Everyone's going to hear it. Uh, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable. Just what That's why about. this body is called the tent. That's right. Because now he's taking it a step further and say, look, you have another dwelling, but this won't be a temporary tent. This will be where you'll be in right. your glorified body right. from now on forevermore. Right. And then he says, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable have been clothed with imperishable yep. and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will be true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? And then he describes that the sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law, because it shows you're a sinner. But thanks be to God, he gave us victory through Jesus Christ. So, <clears throat> the Boy, that's a big hope right there. <laughs> and uh, I will just alert the audience. It's a, it's a great thinking here, great thought went into this. How in the world, Al, could mankind have dreamed up that one? That's right. And and the idea that God is made up of three components, there's no doubt the Father is, is um, how would you put it? He He's the authority even to inside the Godhead, because Jesus yep. said it over and over. Yep. And so they're one, but then that's the dominant force. Yep. So then he's got the Son who knew from, was it Ephesians 1, before the creation of the world and the universe. And think about it, Al. Just the short, here comes God in flesh. Correct. Didn't stay but 33 years. Al, that's not long. That's right. So that's the only glimpse. He's the image of the invisible God, and he's walking on earth in a human body saying, yeah, they're going to kill me. I'm going up to Jerusalem, and they're going to rally up against me. They're going to kill me with the help of wicked men. But in three days, I'll rise from the dead. He said it matter-of-factly. Right. He didn't say, now, guys, I promise you that y'all that. No, he just said this is what's going to happen. Well, that's what happened. It so is. he was raised from the dead like death was like it was nothing. Yeah, and that's, the, that's really the only hold that Satan had. Let's take another break. So one of the things that's happened, of course, because of the uh, pandemic is it's driven a lot more people to the Internet because that's how everybody's doing business. Now you got Zoom, you got this, you got that. Of course, whenever you have a lot of increase in an area, guess who's going to show up? Thieves. And that's what's happened uh, because of the, all the Internet. Uh, Cybercrime is up about 75%. Mm-hmm. One of the things that they're doing is stealing the title to your home, which is just insidious. It's it's somewhere in a digital vault. They break in, they get it, they borrow money against it, and then leave you with the you know your house is foreclosed on, and you don't even know you don't have your house. I mean, it's really a terrible thing that's been happening, but it's happened to a lot of people. So, uh, hometitlelot dot com. That's how you're going to find out. First of all, you got to make sure your house is still yours, so they'll they'll make sure that you're good to go, and then they're going to put a barrier up and protect that for you. So it's hometitlelock dot com. Register your address, then use the code radio, radio, and you get 30 free days of protection. So that's hometitlelock.com, code radio. Check it out. The Bible talks about a lot the fear of death. And you talked about it. Even as Christians, it's a groaning. You know, we, we're not just running to jump in the ground. That's I mean, right. We don't. We're made to live. We are. We have to grow on a little. But that's this is what makes Christianity so different from all the world's religions. I mean, no no other religion says that God came in flesh and was a no. human being. Their God was always separate. There was always a some prophet or some whatever. Yep. You know that tells the story. But Christianity, 
God became one of us. It was the only way to say None it. of them told this story. None, none of them told this story. So this whole deal about we all got our truths and, you know, the, this, it's like a, I heard it described like a mountain, this universal thought. It's like a mountain, and all the roads that go up the mountain, they all lead to the top. And so, you know, there's Islam and Hinduism and blah, blah, blah. And they, all these are roads, but they all wind up at the same place. Yep. You know, at the top of the mountain, you know, we're all saved. Not true. What about death? What about death? What about death? How are you going to get the body back out of the ground, which is Christianity? <clears throat> so this was the last of the um, of the I am statements, uh, and we made mention of them quite a bit. And I wanted to reread them, Dad, just all together, because we're here in John 15. This is the last one in the book of John. But listen what he said throughout the whole book. Of course, today is I am the true vine. I am the Messiah. I am the bread of life. I am from above, I am the eternal one, I'm the light of the world, I'm the door, I'm the son of God, I'm the resurrection, the life, uh, the resurrection and the life, I am the Lord and master, I am the way, I am the truth, the life, and now, of course, the true vine. And then another one, he said, before Abraham was born, I am. Uh, Just to put it bluntly, uh, no one Ember has that as a resume. That's right. That's what I. That's exactly what I thought when I when I typed You're all that. You're talking about up. a resume. I, that that's is a, resume. a resume. And then look, he, then, he, then he threw in four bonus ones also to John in Revelation because remember John wrote Revelation out of the vision he had. Yep. I am the Alpha and the Omega, Whew. the beginning, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I am the Living One. I'm the beginning of. I uh, mentioned before like a couple of weeks ago. I'm the beginning of anything that you can think of, and I'm the end of everything. That's right. You're like, you're who? He said, <laughs> and he, it, I am, meaning, yeah, Abraham, I was there. I, I saw Abraham. I oh, talked yeah. to him. We raised him up. I, we announced the gospel in advance to him. That's right. He, he's telling it like it's just yeah. Cause, cause to it. He was out until he became a person. He was outside of time and space with the Father and with the Spirit. Yep. So, because at this point he didn't have a body. So, in the Old Testament, I, I kind of look at it like if you, Jace describes it this way too. So, you got the Old Testament before Jesus. He was still there. He was still functioning, operating. And I even think he was it, at the. He's coming. Right. He's I even, coming. I even think, and this is conjecture because I have no way to prove this for sure. But some of those scenes that happen, I think about when. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were inside that fiery furnace, and all of a sudden a fourth person showed up. Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar said, how many did you put in there? He said, we put three in there. Right. He said, I see a fourth one walking around in there. He looks like a son of God or yeah, something. Yeah, right. So I always thought, you know, I wonder if that's Jesus who was just, you know, giving us a little glimpse, you know? I mean, you, you see the, the, or the guy that shows up and negotiates with Abraham for Sodom and Gomorrah. Somebody, you know, he called him Lord. Yeah. So I mean, it may have been an angel. I don't know, but I'm just wondering if Jesus might have had a few test runs in the Old Testament (laughs) just to come down here and check it out. I don't know, but you know, you think about it. So the Father, the Almighty Yahweh, you know, all the names for Him that you see in the Old Testament, He pretty much ran the show. He was directly speaking to people. He was the the main part of the Godhead that was functioning for those thousands of years of, of Hebrew history. Then Jesus shows up and becomes a, a person. I mean, literally takes on a body. And think about it. He was a baby. Basically, the Jews, their era was, they'd just never seen anyone like him. Right. Exactly. I mean, he had them baffled. Uh, yeah. he, he, they had a hard time saying, well, a carpenter's son? Yeah. It is... just wasn't the way they envisioned it. That's, that was it. They envisioned it being him coming out of the clouds. I mean, he's walking along, got two <laughs> legs, two feet. You're like. He's you. You what? Right. That's why there's a lot of times I looked at it in my concordance and I noticed that the word from just things he said or things he did, it's the word keeps coming up. Astonished, they were astonished. Yep. They they looked out at that storm and they said, "Good night." Right. Even the wind and, and the waves obeyed. Right. He has calmed it down. You were they, seeing, and those. they would say, "Who is this man?" That's right. <laughs> it was it was his divine nature flowing out of his physical nature because he was both. I mean, like you said, he he the whole time he was here, he never lost his divinity. I mean, when he was a baby, you said, "Well, he was just a baby." He was still God. 
I know that because when he when he when he when he took a little trail off from his family, Mary and Joseph, they're out there to going around the city. Well, they look around there and they get to where they're going. They say, "Where's?" Well, they had already where, left. Where's, where's, where's Jesus? <laughs> he was a they whole look, day. We got a lost kid. <laughs> He's twelve years old. Well, they go back to town and they're scrounging around trying to find out what our kid ran away. We don't know what happened <laughs> to. So they walk up there and there Jesus is sitting there with some of the greatest religious minds on the face of the earth. That's right. And they're all astonished at what he knew. And I, I read it the other day, and, it's, and Mary, when they found him, and they said, what, what are you doing? He said, they, oh, they, I've got to be about my father's business here. Yeah. And didn't, you, didn't you know I'd be at my father's and, house? And, and the Bible says Mary held that deep in her heart. Yeah. When she saw that, she said, I think I got one here. I'm 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 going back to that birth. That's right. When he said, "No, there won't be any sex here," right. but he's coming out of you. Right. Well, when he, she saw that, said she held that close to her heart. That's right. She treasured. She it said, "Good person. night." He's he's the he, he's he God. really is God. He is God. That's right. Because she pretty, been pretty cool. She had been told that, but yep. but but you know, think about it. He's just a baby, and he's a little. I mean, boy. she bore him. Yeah. So she it's went through son. the pain and agony to get him here. That's right. Born of a woman, yep. but but she knew she was chosen. But it began to fall together pretty quickly. Yeah. So he's a kid, and they're saying, "I don't know how this little old kid come up with all that knowledge." <laughs> but he was, you know, quoting scriptures like, oh, yeah. of course, he wrote it. You imagine? <laughs> That's right. Can you imagine God explaining the scriptures to a bunch of people who? Oh right. Uh, and then they have it totally wrong. And the one who wrote it is standing there talking with him. And he kept telling him, he's like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're, no. you're ignorant. You know, yeah. he has so many times he oh. said over and over and over again, let's take another break. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Dad. I think that's the idea that the, the God, as, as a young boy, but he, but he knew, because he said by saying that, he knew. I wrote down on my little notepad, uh, I'm going to put a book together with some of these things in it. And I wrote on my notepad, Jesus, the boy wonder. That's right. <laughs> exactly. But look, he, he, you saw, this was what I was talking about the Godhead. You saw his nature of being able to submit because he submitted to his parents. I mean, he sure. he was like, okay, let's go, you know, sorry about that. You know, whatever happened, that he, he still submitted himself to him. He could have said, hey, I'm the son of God here. You, you can go back to wherever you're going to. I'm going to stay right here. He didn't. And he went through the... Various features of a human being. Think about it. He, in the beginning, they, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, gathers up a little dirt, and you you have you have. I'm trying to to get the kind of sound that, that sound was, is the coming together. But, but of it. there was some there was some atomic <laughs> movement. That's right. To out of dirt, and there you've got. You've got human beings designed. He goes through the process of using the bathroom and taking food, right. taking a leak. Right. You're like, you got God in flesh over there. He's standing there talking to a bunch of these religious people, and they're thinking, where in the world did he come up with all that? You just imagine from his view while he was there talking to people, they couldn't even – yeah. Well, he, he, they they couldn't comprehend it, right? But you know, he's, he's the firstborn over all creation. Right? No one like him has ever come, or have, right. or have been one like him since. Right. You say he was he was you talk about a root out of dry ground. Yep. He just showed up, and they're like, "Whoa!" Yeah. There's a lot of Old Testament prophecies about him that calls him a, a vine, a branch. The idea of this coming out all of a sudden, yep. it's this and, and looking toward it. And you know what's interesting is the only time he really seemed to get <clears throat> irritated. I mean, he, he did a little bit with the disciples because he's like, "Come on, guys! You know we've been talking about this three years." And, but you know, he get a little bit. But he loved them, and then he had compassion on people. You know, you remember that scene. Where he's coming into Jerusalem, you know, we, we talked about that. Where he's the triumphant entry, and it's all to fulfill the prophecy. But you know, one of the versions, I think it's Matthew, says when he did that, he looked at the city, and he was able to look ahead forty years to AD seventy about what was going to happen to all those people. There was just a bloodbath. And most kings, all of them, that either had the that had the 
prancing oh, horses. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's They'd right. have been, oh, it'd have been a, a <laughs> oh, little a wagon on the back and <laughs> with a, a chariot over it, a chariot. And they'd have come up there, and the dogs would have been prancing big stud horses. <laughs> he comes riding up on a donkey. A donkey, <laughs> a foal, a, a colt of a donkey. I mean, yeah, and you know, and again, to fulfill prophecy. But I love it that in that moment, that was his moment, you know, and they didn't really know because they all scattered. Everybody that said you're the Messiah – the next day, you know, they're all gone because once he gets killed. Only God in heaven. I've got about seven or eight places where it said God laughs at those who scoff at him. Yeah. He said he laughs. Right. Why these nations of Psalms 1 where yeah. they, they rage in vain against. Right. He said, you better be careful how you treat him. He said his anger can flare up in a moment. That's right. And he said, you know, misery can come your way in a hurry. Right. Well, you just think about it. He's, he's talking to the very human race he created walking down dusty roads. You're like, man, that's right. To walk around on earth, the invisible God that created the yeah. cosmos. Al. Yeah. And he, you know, he, and he wept when he was coming in, yeah. according to Matthew, because he looked at, saw all those people that he loved and came he to He laughs at the wicked. He wept like over humans, his own people, like humans do. That's right. And you're like, that's weird. Yeah, it shows you the emotion of it. God can laugh and He can cry. That's right, and He and He has many times, and He can be angry. So, so you got the the Father from the Old Testament, kind of the forefront. Then Jesus comes; He's here only thirty three years, and only three years doing His ministry to reveal yeah. Himself. So, you know, thirty Such years a short time to short, turn the world upside short down. Short time, and then so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's His era. That's that's the description of what He came here to do. And then when you get to Acts through Revelation, then it's the Holy Spirit stepping up. Yep. So you, the links are really interesting in how God worked it out where he would finally be in you and in me. Oh. I mean, think about the steps that went through. Al, if you the, could have had the story of Jesus and you could have been transported, I've said this before, to the great philosophers of old— uh, Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, and they're all pontificating. If you could have just, at that time frame, they were there. This was uh, 50 to three or four or 500 years before Jesus showed up. If you could have got their information, a guy like me could have gone down there, if they could have transported me, if I was on the earth, to talk with the, those great philosophers and said, guys, let me explain to y'all what's fixing to happen in the next 200 years. God's going to show up in flesh, and he's going to die on a cross for all the sins of the world. You're, Aristotle, you ever sinned, son? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm a philosopher, but I have sinned. Yeah, that's what I thought. I would, look, I would pay to watch if this If you discussion. had preached the gospel, somebody with a C-plus average, if they could have been transported to talk to the great Greek philosophers just prior to Jesus showing up, they would have been blown away. They would have said, you, what? Yep. You know, the Holy Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and one being. Three and one being. They would have said, what in the world is this maniac talking about? You say, y'all fixing to see this about 100, 200 years from now. Here's what's fixing to happen. Yep. Y'all better prepare yourself. You know, because they're, you know. Because you look, Al, they didn't have a clue unless they had really studied the Old Testament, which they hadn't. You know, the copies, just think about getting to the great philosophers. Mm-hmm. No, they just couldn't well, figure it out. They had reasoned, you know, out of that era, the reasoning was they did understand we're made up of different things, but they said intellect versus body and the flesh. And so what they said was the intellect is where it's at. They were great thinkers of their time, but when Jesus showed up, did he ever blow them out of the water? Exactly. Said, you, you want to know about good, evil, life, death? Well, watch me. And then you, you'll get a lesson. Well, I guess here. the closest we came to that, what you're describing, being able to do that, <clears throat> because over time, was Paul's talk with their protégés, you know, all those years later on Mars Hill, which we, you and I have been yep. to. So that yep. was the closest, that unknown guy. They they did have some reasoning that there was something maybe. But they were still, had all of the writings from the previous That's philosophers. Right. That's it was right. all they had. That's they said, they boy, had. this is good. Right. This is great stuff. But the Apostle Paul said, well, let me just let me just tell you what's going on here. And the New Testament church had to deal with it too because Gnosticism, which was the basically saying flesh was bad, Jesus, they, they were teaching right after Jesus. And John deals with this first, second, third John. 
that flesh is bad, so Jesus couldn't have had a real body. You would have thought after Jesus showed up and literally crushed hollow and deceptive man-made philosophies, just put them to shame, you would have thought that would have carried the day. Right. And fortunately for the world, the information about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection has reached the entire world. Most of them at some point have heard it. They just don't believe it. But the bottom line is, Al, you say, boy, he put a, he, he put a ringer on all of them. Right. You would think you would not see what you now see with uh, these Marxists saying, oh, yeah. nah, that Jesus, there's nothing to that. Yeah, and, and basically are just back to being atheist communist, which is where they're headed. Yep. I mean, that's where that winds up. That's where it winds that up. That philosophy. And, and what's crazy about it is it doesn't work. I mean, it's, it's never worked. Why? Look at the hope it doesn't offer. That's right. I said that about, I've talked about that with, you know, I listened to one of Biden's speeches, and it's just totally about fear-mongering. It's, it's trying to appeal to people's fear yep. about death. Yep. And I thought, man, it's just such a it's such a giving in to say There Satan. is absolutely no hope in the Democratic Party's no, message. None. There's just no hope it's, there. It's hopeless. And and I don't know why anybody, you know, would want to do that. Especially when, by comparison when you talk about freedom and you talk about the principles of, on which we were founded and and why you do trust in God. That's just I don't know. It's a, it's a stark clear line for me. There's for a sure. stark difference between the fallible and the infallible, that's for sure. So you see the Godhead through the process and what's what's beautiful about it is and, and we'll wrap up with this thought, is that God the Father's always been there. God the Son's always been there. God the Spirit's always been there. But they've their roles have through time now made it possible for all three of those to have an impact in your life personally. Yep. And that's what the Spirit does. That's why Jesus said, you have to remain in me and me in you. And then he described how that was going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to be there, and the Holy Spirit is going to bear the fruit from Galatians 5. Like a light shining in a dark place, the prophet's words, Al, it's like a light shining in a dark place. Boy, Jesus is the light of the world, that's for sure. He is. Well, our job is to tell them, Al. That's about all we can do. <laughs> we did it. And and you and I did it today with just two. So uh, yep. hopefully Jace will get well and get back with us soon. So appreciate y'all being a part of it. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.